wonderful to see you all here, kind of knowing that there were Sangha members meeting somewhere out there in the world. Nice to actually have bodies present, faces, forms. Um, Today I was going to um, talk a bit about the state of our zendo, because it's our 11th birthday, and um, it seemed an appropriate time to kind of take a look, like every now and then, maybe on your birthday or some special occasion, you to say, well, I'm going to sit down and kind of take a look at my life. (laughs) This seems to be an auspicious occasion for me to kind of take stock where I've been, where I am, kind of what I envision for myself, how I see my life developing. Uh, We call it self-reflection. Okay, Let's, let's look at the big picture. So I was going, we have a report that um, the Board of Directors has drafted, and we have copies of this report. It says, State of the Oan Zendo, September 2014. And you can read this, we have copies. Um, It talks about our mission what we are dedicated to, how we are fulfilling that mission, what our, bless you, what our core Sangha is doing, what, who are those who are taking, receiving precepts and ordaining, either as a lay ordination or as priest ordination. So it has all of that information. I don't think it's... I don't really want to read this. I, I don't want to go through all the details because there's something else that is in my heart and on my mind. Owan Zendo has, in its 11 years of life, kind of a puberty. (laughs) It's in puberty. (laughs) And it's going through all of the the things that people and puberty go through. You know, it's hot flashes and same, you know, passions and self-doubts and who am I and what's happening to my body and, (laughs) you know, like, what's happening to our body? We had a fire. What's happening to our body? It's, it's undergoing these, these very strange, mysterious changes. I could say that, you know, when you age, too. You go through menopause and you go, what's happening to my body? You know, there's a transformation. And that's probably true every single day of your life. That there's a transformation. But there are these big ones. <laughs> The ones that sort of just pop out at you. And this is one that has popped out 
Um, and you have, can witness that when you arrive here. In looking back over our history as a Zendo, we have, we began as a kind of little five-person ragtag group of meditators from all different traditions. Some people were just meditating because they were stressed out and they needed, I think, I think we can all relate to that element of practice. Um, and we would just get together and sit uh, in a dance studio that I had at the time. And then we decided to have tea together after the sitting. Typically, we would just come and sit, and then bow, and then leave. And it was lovely. And then we said, well, let's have tea together, kind of share a little bit. Well, as soon as we had started having tea together, fights broke out. As soon as we started blabbering, <laughs> there was all kinds of conflict. This one, came, this one thought we should be doing this, but didn't say anything. This one thought we should be doing that and didn't say anything. So there were these, all these held preferences and opinions that when we were quiet, didn't go anywhere. But as soon as we started talking, boom, an explosion. Well, that was the end of what was called the Happy Valley Sangha. <laughs> it, uh, it was happy while it lasted, but it, it only lasted, well, it lasted, how long it lasted? A few years. Because there was so much um, argument about what, what we should be doing, we, there was another group that formed, formed a board of directors. Well, let's just decide what we should be doing. And we decided to sort of start from scratch and make the rules. Sort of the same thing happened um, one person came from a Rinzai tradition. One person might have come from the Chan tradition. We didn't have anybody representing that. But there was someone who came from um, a Hindu background. There was someone who came from uh, Vipassana training, which is very sort of non-dogmatic and uh, much more psychological in nature. There was an atheist in the group. Um, and each person was dedicated to their way. And we just could not work out a common ground for how we should be. And so one person said, I can't, I can't do that. I can't function that way because I'm sitting at the Rochester Zen Center and this is the way we do things. We have to wear robes and... That's my practice, so that's what I want to do here. So that just didn't work. Uh, we couldn't decide. It was about power. It was about who gets to exercise the power. And I, I just the person who built the building, who you know, gathered people around, I just wanted 
it to work and left it up to those who were practicing to make it work. And it worked for a little while, but then it kind of dissolved again. There was one very powerful individual who had what he called <laughs> the wiki version of Zen. And what was the wiki version of Zen? Let's try this. We just get together every Sunday, and whatever happens, happens. Nobody gets to decide. <laughs> you know, We all get together, and then we see what happens, and we just do that. Well, every week there were new people, and they, had, they came, and they, what's going on here? What, it was chaos. It was just dependent on who happened to show, show up, and nobody could count on anything. Um, and so it just, it was chaos. It wasn't working. <laughs> so that was another phase of Oan's existence. At the time, I just wanted to, I, I was not ordained. I just wanted to serve the community and just sit like everybody else. And so there was a Sangha member. Her, his name was Steve Rule. And he went off to Harvard to get a, a degree in Buddhist chaplaincy and Buddhist practice. He was the first person at Harvard Divinity School to uh, achieve that in Buddhist practice, in Buddhist studies. And he said, at the time, I, I was not Mado, I was Barbara. He said, Barbara, I wonder if I could come back to Oan and become the resident priest there and live in the little bedroom over there and just take over. I said, great, perfect. We'll have a Harvard-educated priest that knows Oan and has all this training and gives wonderful talks and is a great Buddhist scholar. And he moved in and he took hold. And he was here for a little while until it became clear that his dedication was not to Oan, but to another practice called the Zen Peacemaker Order, which is now no longer in existence. And Oan was to be part of that larger empire that he was building. And, and he started changing our website and making it more in line with the Zen Peacemaker Order. And suddenly, the Sangha members began to realize, uh-oh, this isn't about us, our little woodland refuge. This is about using us for some grander scheme. And there was a rebellion. <laughs> Another rebellion. And the Sangha was split. And some of the Sangha members are still do not come to practice because some took his side, some took the other, another side, some took another side. And, it, and that kind of pattern, what I am now seeing as power, ego, ego, constantly, constantly exercising itself in collapsing this beautiful practice. And so 
I had to make a decision. Where was my heart? My heart was in Soto Zen. Gentle, loving, slow, compassionate bodhisattva, grounded in bodhisattva tradition. Japanese. My teacher was in Soto Zen. And so here, here it is. We are not exclusively Soto Zen. We welcome everyone, everyone. But we have a form. We have a form. We have a way of manifesting practice. And it's vast. It's inclusive. So truly, the state of the Zendo is your state. It's not anything independent. It's, it's, not, it's not in this document. The state of the Zendo is the state that you are in. Your mind state, your heart state. That is what makes this Zendo a Zendo. This is just details. This isn't the state of anything. So when I'd like to invite you to offer your state, your way of being, where you are now, to the state of this sendo. And I'd like to offer my, my state of being sort of as, well, as an offering to you, as an offering, a birthday offering, and as maybe an example of offering a state of being. Technically, I am a teacher. This is what this means. I've been given what's called um, a ketsu, a teacher stick, by my guiding teacher. And I thought that the ultimate stage of practice, of course the ultimate stage of practice is practice, but in some sense the ultimate stage of movement is to become a teacher, a fully ordained and what we call transmitted teacher, bless you. So I am at a stage where I am ready to be transmitted. My teacher, one-on-one, will say, yes, Mado, we are of one mind, one body, and go forward. You're free. (coughs) You, You are free. And that's called transmission. And I haven't received transmission yet even though I'm doing everything that a transmitted priest does, (laughs) despite the fact that I haven't been transmitted. But what I realized very recently with this fire is that I'm not ready for transmission. 
that what I thought was transmission was not transmission at all. And that was burned away by this fire. That delusion. That there is only one thing to transmit. There is only one thing to receive. And there is only one thing to give away. And that is love. Not teaching, not scholarship, it's love. And I am not quite ready to receive love. It's my practice now. What a realization has nothing to do with the fact that I've practiced for 25 years, that I've uh, written articles and books and published Dharma talks and given Dharma talks and have a certain mastery of practice. There's only one thing that matters, and that is love. And if you can't receive it, you can't receive that transmission, you cannot give it. You cannot be compassionate deeply and truly unless you can receive love. Your being here today is part of my practice because I feel, and thank you so much, Nikolai, I feel that you are bringing the gift of love and gift of support. And so has Jureen, and so has Juzan, and so has Joshin. And so has Cole. And so has Judy. This is a, a gift that you've brought today. Uh, I have two very strong images in my mind, my heart. The first is my first teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh, who is now... I think he's still in the hospital. Uh, he's, he's on the altar. The first retreat I ever did with him, this was before he became really famous um, and is worldwide, known worldwide. We were in Port Royal, Virginia. There were about 200 of us practitioners. And one night, we did walking meditation out in the rolling hills of Virginia. It was midnight. The moon was out. Was very quiet, except for the frogs croaking. Uh, and it was like this beautiful chorus. And there were 200 of us just walking together, quietly, on this earth, just being fully human, taking our places on the earth, step, quiet step. We didn't know we were there. 200 people in total peacefulness. 
And for a moment, I had a flash in my mind of armies. Step, lockstep. Oh, one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Oh, whoa, whoa. Muskets. Oh, rifles. And that just flashed through my mind. And there we were kind of peaceful army walking this earth, loving each other, and just bringing that energy and that peace into our footsteps together. The second image is of a hundred-year-old archery master who appeared at the memorial service for our lineage holder, uh, Kobanchino Roshi. He was very, very frail. I mean, he was a hundred years old. He could barely walk. He could, and he had a wife who was in her twenties, beautiful young woman, who was always by his side, would dress him, would pick him up and hold him and steady him and feed him and arrange his arms and place him on the floor and made sure he put the bow. He, during the memorial service, he, he shot a bow, uh, shot an arrow to commemorate my, my lineage holder who had died in a tragic accident. And this loving care that she was giving him, it was not, I have to, it was so genuine, so beautiful. And here she's this young, beautiful woman with this completely decrepit, you know, man who could barely lift his head up. And she was... put the bow and arrow, put his hands on the bow and arrow, and then suddenly, I was there, I was right there, and suddenly this man (coughs) took hold of the bow and arrow, like this chi, this life force suddenly arose in him, and he went, like it was energy that I just can't even describe he went around with the bow around the room and then and he was power and I thought today out of, out of her love, out of her love, he rose, he rose up like the phoenix from the ashes. At some point in our lives, we all burn.
Just everything we thought we were, everything we counted on. And we can die. We can just. But if we receive love, we can live. This is true transmission. And so I feel, I feel not quite like that yet, (laughs) but I have a sense of it. And that's really what we're about here. That's really what Owan Sendo is about. It's about receiving, nurturing, and giving love away. Learning how to love each other, which isn't a very hard learning for some of us. For some of us, it's very hard. So perhaps when we have tea, I can learn more about the state of your zendo, your temple, your your being. And thank you. Thank you for being here.